Welcome to the Drop-Off. Epic conversations about the workforce of today and the talent of tomorrow. Featuring candid, pointed conversations with influential business leaders. Here's your host, Nicole Real. Hello, and thanks for tuning in to episode three of The Drop-Off, epic conversations about the workforce of today and the talent of tomorrow. I'm Nicole Real, and today I'm pleased to welcome Chris Thomas, president and CEO of Community Hospital in Grand Junction, Colorado, and Tani Espinosa, Community Hospital's vice president of business development. A lack of accessible and affordable childcare was identified as a community need in Mesa County. And to help address this issue, Community Hospital recently broke ground on Adventure Academy, a new on-site early childcare and early education facility. I've been fortunate to get to know Chris, Tawny, and their team through their participation in Epic's employer-based childcare design lab, in addition to attending a groundbreaking event they hosted in early November. And I know that they are all very passionate about their community and their work. Chris and Tani are here today to tell us more. So welcome to both of you. Thanks for having us. Good morning. So we're going to start with some uh, basic questions here. We'd love to give the listeners an opportunity to hear about each of you, your role at the hospital, and um, a little bit of the background in terms of the work that you do and the role that you play at the hospital. So Chris, you want to start us off there? Sure, be happy to. Hi, everyone. Chris Thomas. I'm the CEO here at Community Hospital. It'll be 15 years here at Community Hospital. Excited. Love Grand Junction. Love Community Hospital. And a total of 30, God, 33 years now in healthcare. Um, different hospital roles, CEO, vice president of larger hospitals, work for some systems, but very pleased and honored to be part of a uh, independent hospital here in Grand Junction, Colorado. Well, welcome. Thanks so much for joining us. And I think you have um, a special distinction in your role as well, right, Chris? Yeah, I guess I at this point, either I have been able to figure out how to keep a job or I can't get a, a bigger job or something. But I am the second most tenured CEO in Colorado currently. So I don't know if that's something to be proud of, but I'm, I'm excited to have been here in Grand Junction and Community Hospital and uh, excited to talk about this project with you. Well, I think that speaks to both your experience and your dedication to your work in your community. And Tani, welcome to you. Can you tell us a little bit about your role as well? Sure, yeah, I've been at Community Hospital almost 12 years. And before that, I came from public health. So have just shy of 20 years of healthcare experience. So not quite Chris's tenure, but I'm getting there. Uh, yeah, I've had various roles here at the hospital and obviously have loved my time here and have had various opportunities to continue to learn and challenge myself. And this child care facility has certainly been that. So we are excited about this project, excited about the groundbreaking and what it will be able to do for our employees and the greater community. And how are both of you really connected to the Western Slope area? I know that, you know, many people working in Grand Junction have family there or grew up there or um, ended up moving there because it seemed like such a great community. So how did you both end up in, in Grand Junction, the Western Slope? Well, I landed here through coming to Colorado Mesa University. I am a proud CMU alum, as Chris knows, two-time alum. So came over here um, for both my undergrad and graduate degrees and have just stayed. We love it here. There's a million different outdoor and, and fun opportunities to do. Just went rock climbing this weekend and then got up and went skiing. So there's always something fun to do outside. My wife and I started our careers in Denver and spent a couple of years in the front range in Denver and Colorado Springs. And then as most hospital CEOs, the next hospital is usually somewhere else. So in the first 15 years of our marriage, we moved seven times to the next opportunity, the next hospital. And they were all great 
for my career, a little tough on the family. We knew we always wanted to get back to Colorado. So after stints in South Dakota, Iowa, and Kansas, we wanted to come back to Colorado, but not the Front Range. Uh, and so when an opportunity presented itself in Western Colorado, it was perfect. Uh, mountain biking, Tawny mentioned it. You know, great schools for our kids. We've got three graduates that have gone on. We now have four college degrees, uh, currently have a fourth grader and just love this area. And, and the job is just, uh, we'll talk a lot more about that today, but having this job and being in community hospital, we've been able to do so many cool things um, that I don't know if I'd been able to do in different organizations. So between the community and the hospital, it's been a great choice for us and we plan to be here for the rest of my career and, and um, plan on making this our permanent home. It's always really fun to hear people's stories around, you know, where they started and how they ended up in Colorado if they weren't originally from the area. And I have to say, Colorado is definitely hard to beat. So, um, and the Western yeah, Slope is beautiful. We loved Iowa. It was great growing up in Iowa, but, you know, there's something special about Colorado. For sure. Yep. And Colorado Mesa University was uh, generous enough to host an event for us a couple of weeks ago as well. So it was great to see that campus and um, really fantastic um, opportunity, I think, for people to get a, a great degree and, and live in an awesome place. So, you know, you mentioned a little bit, you know, Chris and Tani, both about your roles at the hospital earlier, but we know that hearing about the healthcare workers during the pandemic, it was a really stressful time and probably still is to some degree. Can you talk about what it's been like for your team and your hospital going through the COVID pandemic and what that's looked like? Yeah, I think the difference, and I think this really is what makes community hospitals stand out, is we approached the pandemic completely different. I mean, we were we were shut down. I mean, the governor shut down elective surgeries, and and we understood it was good reasons, but um, it was it, it was eerie walking around the hospital with no patients. And but we came at it a different approach. We had worked really hard. We have tried to build community hospital around the people, and so we've got great people working here. It just seemed counterintuitive to start laying off people, furloughing, sending home healthcare workers in the middle of a pandemic. So we did everything possible to keep everybody fully employed, promoting, working forward. So we had, we did not lay off anybody. We did not furlough anybody, especially our lower paid employees all got their, all their hours. And we just got creative. We had our nurses and medical records going through old charts so we could purge some of those old charts. We had our physical therapists who were seeing no patients in food service, working in the kitchen, helping over there. So we got creative, but it just didn't seem right that in the middle of a pandemic, we were laying people off or sending people home. So we kept them around. And I think it has paid off in tremendous ways with our workforce and our community. Um, we were one of the, only, if not the only hospital uh, in the region, perhaps the nation that was able to staff 100% of our beds. We never went on divert because of um, lack of staff beds. I think it's just made a huge difference. We continue to grow even through the pandemic, but I think that's because we took care of our people. And that's exactly why we're doing this, this child care center is if we don't have great people at community hospital, we're nothing. And I think that's the approach we took during the, the pandemic. And I mean, we've done a lot of cool things. That's probably the most proud I've been of this organization is that when lots of people were getting laid off, not at community hospital, they were here getting paid. It was tough financially. It was not um, It was not a good time. And thankfully, we got some money from the federal government and the state, but we kept everybody employed. And I, I think that's been the big difference for Community Hospital. Yeah, thank you for sharing that. I mean, I think, you know, a people first approach has been something that 
I think the most successful organizations have realized has worked the best during the COVID pandemic and also after the pandemic too. You know, Tani, can you tell us a little bit about the specific challenges that your workforce was experiencing during the pandemic and really how that led into looking at this shortage of childcare that exists in Mesa County? Absolutely. So, you know, during the pandemic, when everyone else was home, we all were still coming to work every single day. And so I have two kiddos and I know um, that I would come to work and go home and try and homeschool them in the evening hours. And so I see childcare as the great equalizer. It doesn't matter if you're low paid, high paid. When schools and childcare centers shut down, they shut down. And so that's what we saw here is that our workforce was continuing to come to work every day and having to juggle that and figure out how do we take care of our children yet still come to work and continue to take care of our patients. And I think it was during that time that we really saw that need heighten as to how can we help our employees meet their child care needs. And so through that process, we really continued those conversations that we had started a few years earlier. And I think that just accelerated everything that we were wanting and needing to do. Chris was the one that kind of said, look, through all these different researches, researching opportunities of partnerships and looking at other facilities, we determined that we needed to build an on-site facility. And I think that was the point that he said, go, let's let's figure this out. Let's make it happen. And so it was during that pandemic that we were hearing those different stories of how employees were having to juggle childcare, having to juggle coming to work and all the different aspects that made us really want to move this project forward. I love the word catalyst because I feel like it describes, you know, really something that has to urge a project forward at times. And I think the pandemic for all of the the bad that it brought, brought some good with it too, which was this, you know, really awakening to the childcare issues that the workforce had. And, you know, oftentimes I think really pushed that next level conversation around, okay, you know, what can we do as an employer or what can we do as a community to really help solve this? Um, what does the child care shortage look like in Mesa County? And then, you know, what is this new facility and solution that your team is specifically working on going to look like? Yeah. So a few years ago, Mesa County Public Health um, conducted what they call Child Care 8000. And that really looked at for a community or a valley of our side, all the way Palisade to Fruta, uh, we would need 8000 high quality child care slots. And unfortunately, we are 4000 slots short. And so that really impacts our workforce. That impacts economic growth and development. That impacts ability of individuals going and getting degrees and furthering their ability to enhance their career or enter the workforce. So we know that our facility, which is 100 slots, and it will be for kiddos ages six weeks on up to six years, that will be just a little small drop in the bucket. But what we have seen over here is this kind of groundswell of conversation regarding how employers are able to step up and help meet that need. Not one employer or one entity would ever be able to fill all 4,000 of those slots. So it's through employer projects like ours that we're starting to slowly chip away at that and improve the community and the accessibility to childcare. That's so great. And I know it's going to mean a lot to those families who are able to be served and, and get those slots in that facility. You know, Chris, jumping back to you, I think you had mentioned when we were chatting a while back that you had, you know, managed and, and worked in some hospitals that did have on-site child care available. You know, what have been some of the things that you've learned about bringing child care facility 
you know, into or near a hospital and or the community as a whole. And are there any things that have surprised you in this process with respect to your project in Mesa County? Yeah, I, I think, you know, both, and Tony mentioned this as a parent also, we had um, probably my first hospital CEO job. We started a daycare on the same campus as our hospital. It was so nice that our kids could go there. They were close. I could see them. And then one of the things we did at that center, we had a, a hospital that also had a long-term care facility. And so we really integrated the, the, the child care center. They would go over and have a grandparent day. So the, the, the residents of the nursing home would read to them. They would go have lunch with them. So it really brightened both their days. I think it was great. You, the seniors that were part of our, our nursing home, you know, I mean, they looked forward to those visits twice a week. The kids enjoyed it. And so it really made it part of the, I guess, the organization. The other one was at a facility where I was a director. I was not yet in a leadership role. And it was, that was our firstborn was there. And so both my wife and I worked for that hospital at the times, you know, just having it on site was so convenient for both my wife and I. So if we were dropping off or picking up, we could come to work together. So it was a cost savings from that standpoint. And then as a breastfeeding mother, um, the, the availability to go see Kaya, you know, it was just so convenient to have our children there with us. And it was great to see them every day. Um, and so this time, what we're trying to do is is kind of duplicate some of those things, have it on campus. We have chosen to use a third party to run the daycare. I think we're very good at running hospitals. I don't think we're very good at running daycares. There's so many rules and regulations. We think there's rules and regulations on hospitals, probably nothing compared to some of the challenges that daycares have to go through. And so we're excited to have a great partner that's going to guide us through that. We'll support her. We want her to have a successful business, but we also want a successful um, program for, for the whole community. So I've seen it a couple ways where the hospital has run the program and then one where we've outsourced it. And, and I think the right path for this is, is to have someone who is a professional, dedicated, focused on um, early childhood education to run this. And that's the path we've chosen for this project. Yeah, I'm really glad you talked about that operations model a little bit as well, because I think it's a really, really cool opportunity and something to lift up and highlight that community hospital is doing in this project where, you know, if I'm not mistaken, you know, community hospital is really doing the heavy lifting when it comes to the fundraising and, you know, building the facility, which is no easy task, <laughs> as I'm sure Tawny and the rest of the team can attest to, um, but also a great experience and opportunity for a local, you know, child care operations partner to come in operate a really great high quality program and not have to worry about, you know, raising uh, millions of dollars to build a ground up facility. Yeah, that's one of the things that, that is a little concerning going forward is we're very fortunate that we've raised about $3 million for this project, um, you know, with capital costs, the cost of construction. I mean, this project is pretty steep. We're at about $5 million for this project. I don't know if you were an independent business person, if you could stand this thing up on your own. And so that's concerning as we look at this big gap that Tawny mentioned of 4,000 slots. We're feeling pretty fortunate that we were able to raise at this point about 60% of the cost of this through federal grants and different work with you folks. And so I, I think it's going to be a good partnership. We're going to have a great operator, but I'm a little concerned going forward how we're going to fund this because we're, as Tawny mentioned, we're just scratching the surface here with 100 slots and it's coming to be because of the work Tawny and Betsy Bear and some of our other staff have done at raising money for this project. Without that, even community hospital would not be able to fund this project. So I'm not sure how a small mom and pop 
operation is going to be able to stand these things up. So we've got to do some work. I'm hoping the new child tax credits that the governor has passed and hopefully we will continue into the future will help us raise additional funds, not just for the community hospitals project, but for other projects across the state. But this is going to be a real challenge for all of us is how we fund these projects going forward, because it is it is not a very lucrative and some of the restraints of, you know, one one provider for four infants there's just a lot of staffing requirements that make these expensive to operate, but yet we've got to have great ones. These are our kids, and we're putting our kids in the hands of professionals for 8, 10, 12 hours a day. we got to do it right, and and funding is going to be a major challenge for all of us going forward. Yeah, I think your observations are right on target there, Chris. You know, based on what we hear from a lot of uh, entrepreneurs and childcare business owners in the community and even employers it is a really heavy lift. You know, the business model is a really challenging business model to operate. If you don't want to charge families, you know, high tuition and you want to pay staff a livable wage and you want to offer a quality program, you know, it's, it's a very expensive business model to operate. And like you said, you know, it's, um, it's a heavy lift to try to get a facility built and designed for children. You know, it requires lots of plumbing and lots of little fixtures and specialized things, um, somewhat similar to the healthcare industry, right? Where you're designing and, and constructing something for a very specific purpose. It also tends to get more difficult and more expensive when you're doing those types of projects as well. So, Tani, I'm going to uh, turn over to you now. I'm curious, you know, how has the news of this on-site child care facility been received by your employees and your team at Community Hospital? I think it's been received very positively. We have seen it kind of be a morale booster where our employees feel like, hey, we expressed a need and and we responded to that need. And so there has been great involvement. We've created an internal employee work group who has helped us through the process from the design of the facility, the colors. We had to name a road back behind the hospital that had our ambulance traffic. So once we named the road, then we named the facility. So that road back there was named Adventure Lane. And we put that out to our employees. And so it's just been, I think, a very kind of fun, uplifting process where the employees have seen how we responded to their need, how we've involved them, how we've listened to their hopes, their fears, their concerns. Because as Chris said, these are our children. And all of us as parents have very specific hopes and desires for where we would like to see our children and the different type of curriculum we would like to see offered and what we want the playground to look like. And so through those different types of focus groups, we've involved the parents, the kiddos, and I think it's just been a great process for the entire organization. And we'll obviously continue to involve them. We already have about 90 individuals already on the waiting list or 90 kiddos, I should say. And so we know that this was a definite need and our employees are, are certainly grateful for that. I, if I could add to that, too, I think, you know, this is going to be a catalyst within the community. I mean, one of the things we're hoping to do from this is help us recruit staff. And so as we're out there trying to, to compete for workforce, um, there's staff shortages in our in our nursing assistants and our medical assistants and our pharmacy techs, et cetera. But having this, I think, is going to give community hospital an advantage in the short run for recruiting some staff. If we can offer, you know, daycare, if we can figure out a way to um, make it more affordable for our employees in the workforce, I think it's going to give us an advantage in the short run. And I think what I mean by that is I think you're going to see other organizations that are going to say, oh, you know, 
We are not able to recruit. So we're going to have to start building some daycares to be part of that conversation. So I think you're going to see more of these developed around the community uh, as a recruitment retention tool for I would see healthcare, I would see other industries kind of stepping up. And so I think you're going to see, hopefully, this is the first of a whole bunch of these facilities developed around the community. And, you know, as usual, and one of the things we're really proud of, and you invited us on here, so community hospital is always first. You know, when this community needs something, we step up, we do it. We've done that. We're putting a new clinic in Palisade where there hasn't been healthcare in over 30 years. And so I, I think you will see others follow suit and start adding daycare. And so I think that's good. Uh, we need it. And I, I welcome that competition also. Yeah. And I think it's great that, you know, your, your employees and your team members had the opportunity to weigh in on the process, you know, having a wait list of 90 kids when you've just broken ground, obviously speaks volume about volumes about the need and, and the desire for those services as well. Tani, I'm curious, you know, in your efforts to recruit and retain staff, have there been any specific conversations or indications that having childcare available could be the make or break decision for some of those recruits? I've been hearing that from some of our directors even now. Obviously, it's not open yet, but in interviews, we have different directors that I've heard from, you know, our ICU manager and our med surge manager that when they're interviewing nurses or to Chris's point, the CNAs or MAs, that that is a big differentiator that they're saying, wait, what? Like I, I can get childcare and, and absolutely. So I think that, you know, potential employees also see it as, as that we're taking care of our employees, right? That they, that we do put our people first. And it's just one more way, not just by benefits, not just by wages, but also looking at how we're able to support them in their work life balance. And so that I think is, is a definite recruitment tool. And employees really want to come work for someone where they feel taken care of, where they can contribute and feel valued. But at the end of the day, they're not just another number. And so I think that this is that differentiator that, that allows us to, to really take care of them, not only as an employee, but also as a person as well. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think the other thing that's important is people think about this and they're exploring opportunities or they're they're looking at providing this service. You got to build it expandable because we have 100 slots and this is and like I, I've been gone for a while over Thanksgiving. And so we're up to 90. And so what happens when that thing is full and we recruit a new MA and we don't have a slot available for her or her child? So we've been very careful. When we've designed this, that we have the ability to go to 300 slots if needed and when the time is right. And so we know that we have to expand and we have to keep going forward because once it's full, then what do we do for that next new employee at that point? So, and it, it will be full, not just because of community hospital, but just because of the shortage in the community. So I think it's important to think about kind of the next phases and, and how you're going to scale these operations to continue to move forward. Because I, I do think, I think before we know it, this is going to be a 300 daycare slot um, or center as we go forward. Yeah, it's great that you thought ahead and, you know, thought about how you can make it expandable and sounds like you're also going to open those slots up to the community as oh, space allows. Which yeah, absolutely. I think that was a, you know, we've, we've been out fundraising and trying to raise money and I thought a few people say, well, why would I do this for community hospital? And it's like, well, you know, this does provide slots for community hospital and our employees will have first crack at these slots, but um, the operator, because she's independent, she's going to keep this facility full. So those slots that aren't taken by our employees will be available to the community. And then if our employees aren't competing for other slots, if there's if there's 90 of our employees that have day, uh, slots here, 
that's 90 more slots somewhere else in the community that they're not competing for that will be opened up to other community members. So it does add to the total number, even though first priority will be community hospital employees. That's great. Well, you know, Epic has been really proud to be really the first entity in the country to launch this employer-based child care design lab concept, which really partnered with employers around Colorado to help them plan for and understand the process of creating on-site or near-site child care. Because we heard when we spoke to employers oftentimes that they may have had the willingness to help. Maybe they even had land or, or other types of assets they could land to the process. But oftentimes it was the how that was really the biggest challenge in implementing this type of project. So Tani, as you know, one of our close participants in that process, I'm curious to hear from you. How impactful was that process going through the design lab? Um, and really, how did it help contribute to the success of the project and really um, helping your team get from point A to point B here? Yeah, so I think participating in the design lab was immensely impactful. You know, when we heard about that, I certainly jumped on the application process and, and we were very excited to be one of the chosen employer groups across the state of Colorado to, to really jump in and learn the ins and outs of childcare. Because as Chris said, we know healthcare, we don't know childcare. And it can be very daunting trying to learn the ins and outs and the different type of um, ground covering that you need for playground and fencing requirements and, and just the ins and outs. And I remember some early conversations, you know, trying to reach the highest Colorado shines rating and what you can have on the wall and the different types of toys. And so, Having the support of Epic and the Design Lab and being able to collaborate with other employer groups across the state and bounce ideas off, both in terms of design and operations and fundraising, was immensely valuable. Well, it was really a joy and an honor to have your team in the Design Lab as well. So we appreciate it. And thank you for being one of the first to jump in and just um, try to get this done. So, you know, Chris, uh, last question for you. What would you say to other community partners or employers who are wondering how they can help contribute to solving this issue around child care for the workforce? Well, I, I would start with you guys. I, I would recommend them send it right back to you guys to get that start because there is so much involved in this. And this is probably not in our normal day-to-day -day operations, this, this child care. So having some partners that you can talk to and, and bounce things off and just get some guidance because there are so many potential pits pitfalls as you go through this process. So I think getting getting that kind of relationship is important. And what the work you guys are doing has just been such a positive impact for us as we move forward. And then I, I think it's, you know, get with your employees. What do they need? What's your workforce? One of our challenges is we're going to start slow because we want to get into this, but we're open 24-7. We have moms and dads that work here all night long and they have childcare needs at different times. And and so we, we need to slowly kind of work through this process, how we can truly meet the needs of our workforce. We're not a Monday through Friday, nine to five operation. So that typical daycare kind of schedule is not going to work for us long term. But we've got to start somewhere. I think that would be my other advice. You got to start somewhere. And so start small and get going. And and this is just so important because we are still a people business. And without our people, we're, we're not going to survive or, or be able to move into the future. So we've got to take care of our workforce. So those are the two things I would say is spend time with your employees, your workforce, find out what they truly need, and then find a partner that can help guide you. And there's nobody better in the state of Colorado than Epic. 
Well, thank you. And definitely appreciate that advice. And uh, I think it's, you know, not an understatement to say that uh, taking the baby steps uh, is very important here in this process, pun intended. Uh, Tani, anything else you want to add here? No, I just really appreciate Epic's support throughout this entire process. And even after the design lab, it wasn't like you just, you know, kicked us to the curb. You've absolutely been a continued support um, attending our groundbreaking, continuing to uplift the childcare efforts that are occurring in Mesa County. So thank you for all of your efforts. We will continue to support Epic and anything we can do just to further childcare across the state of Colorado, whether that's the childcare uh, contribution tax credit or policies or whatever that is. I think we are moving the needle in Colorado and that is in large part due to Epic. So thank you and a huge congrats for your efforts. And, and Nicole, if I, if I might, too, I, I think and don't forget, push your leaders, push your city council, push your county commissioners, push the state. This is economic development. This is good for the entire community. This is good for the public. And so they need to be a part of this. They need to be a part of the solution. And we're very fortunate in Mesa County to have great partners, both from the city and the county. But I think you need to ask, you know, can they waive some of the fees that are associated with normal building projects? Can they waive some of these things to help get these things going? Because it is an investment back in the community by having a strong workforce, having a strong early education kind of culture in your community is important. Um, I mean, I could go, you know, the, the children are our future and all of that other great stuff that we all talk about. But this is economic development. And I, I would not hesitate to push your community leaders to participate and help you get these things done. And we're just very fortunate at Mesa County to, to have the vision at, at that level to help us go. And the state, the child tax credits is, is going to be a big, big help for all of us. So. Yeah, well, thank you so much, Chris and Tani, for your partnership and your contributions to your community and to the Drop-Off podcast today. We certainly know that you understand the importance of quality, affordable child care for employee recruitment, retention, and economic development. And we are just so excited to have been able to be a part of your journey. And we are very excited for your grand opening, um, hopefully in the summer of 2023, I believe. So thank you again for your time today. And we wish you the best of luck with your your growth of Adventure Academy. Thanks, Thanks Nicole. Nicole. The Drop-Off is a production of Executives Partnering to Invest in Children. Please rate, review, and subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. For more information about our organization, visit coloradoepic.org.